Ever since I was a young boy, I played the silver ball. From Seoul down to Brighton, I must have played them all. But I ain't seen nothing like it in any amusement hall. That deaf, dumb, blind kid sure plays a mean dead ball. Talking to the people involved with collecting, playing, repairing, restoring and operating pinball and arcade culture around New Zealand and beyond. You are listening to Simon's Pinball Podcast. So, uh, yeah, um, thank you for talking to me. So this is the second pod I've done in one day, one afternoon. We just had uh, Nick, we're, we're sitting in a car, actually. I'm calling it my recording booth. Um, sitting in a car in Penrith, Sydney. Um, I just uh, spoke to Nick about an hour ago. And I have with me uh, Yi Fong, who has kindly agreed to chat to me about his involvement and history with pinball and arcade collecting. Um, and uh, yeah, welcome, welcome to the uh, Simon podcast. I don't know, I haven't got a name for it yet, but um, I, I guess by the time I publish it, I will have a name. So thank you for thank you for talking to me. You're welcome. I'd just um, like to make it um, hopefully a bit exciting and not boring for <laughs> for you listeners. When we're talking about pinball and arc, if people have found this podcast. I think they could talk about, you know, how to clean a pinball and it wouldn't be boring for them because um, we're all nuts about the hobby. And uh, that's the hope that... Um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to talk to any, any prominent, like, famous people. I'm just wanting to talk to people that I know that own the community and they love pinball. Whoops, there's something that's fallen off. So, thank you. And we've just had... I've just wrapped up... We've just wrapped up a really fantastic weekend at the Southern Hemisphere Pinball Championships in Sydney. Um, it's the second one, and it's going to be an annual event happening every October, um, once in New Zealand and then alternating with Australia. Um, it's been a great event. Have you enjoyed the weekend? Oh, it's been fantastic. Um, it's been well set up, and um, I've come across a lot of friendly people, which to me is a big thing. Um, it is a competitive weekend, but... I, to tell the truth, I'm, I'm more here on a social aspect. Um, I, um, I'd like to enjoy myself and not be, you know, tensed up and, um, you know, have that competitive streak thinking I've got to qualify for this or I've got to win this prize. So for me, totally sociable and um, is run by Lee, who's one of my good friends and... Um, and Dan as well, so so it helps to to be amongst friends, and um, for me that's a big part of pinball, um, sharing it with your um, social buddies. Um, the, the the collection here is, is spectacular. Um, um, people who don't know uh, Dan and Lee's collection, um, Dan likes to collect very unusual games, often quite rare machines um, that seldom turn up at mainstream events mainstream pinball events um, so it was a real tr- a real joy to to come and, and 
I've, I've been playing pinball for 40 years and there are games here that I have never seen before. So it was quite a treat. Um, but you did, you're saying that you're not competitive, but you, you placed in the top seven um, yesterday. And was it the top seven? Yeah, I uh, qualified seventh equal. Um, but you know what? Maybe it was a result of me just being relaxed because um, I've been there before and I've qualified well. But as soon as it gets to the next round, I'm, I'm thinking, don't mess it up, don't mess it up. And I get so tense that I yeah. usually end up losing. And I thought to myself, here we go again. I think I've seen this movie before. <laughs> but um, I actually got through that next round and I thought, oh, well, maybe this ain't so bad. But then wallop. Yeah. I got I got suckered on, on the next round. But what, that's okay. What was the game that took you out? Um, well, what happened was that um, there were three games there. Um, um, and and we played the DMD game first of all. The name escapes me at this stage, but I got fourth on that. And then the um, solid state game, I got fourth on that. So there was no way that I could win. I see. On the electromechanical, so so it was best of three, and you lost the first two. That's correct. Um, just for the listeners, there's usually a fairly modern game, which is what we call a dot matrix game, um, probably you know 90s onwards. The solid state being the early um, early electronic games of the late 70s, early 80s, and then the EM being the 70s pre 77 game. So with the with the the rounds, we usually have uh, a, a match on each of those three sort of types of machine. Um, but uh, yeah, well, I didn't even qualify yesterday, and um, I had a I had a fantastic time. I, I was enjoying it, but my, I just wasn't finding my stride. Um, but I was comforted by the fact that I did win the flip frenzy on the Friday night, so that kind of put me put you know that put me on a bit of a high in that in that respect. Um, but you yeah, like you, I I enjoy pinball. I'm okay with losing, and I, I I do it for the experience of playing and being around kindred spirits in the pinball world, and and just getting together with people and having fun. Um, for me, it's about having fun, and it's always nice to win. That's right. Um, and and Simon, I'd just like to point out that, you know, when you're playing in these small groups of three or four people, you usually discuss tactics or, you know, if you've met a, come across a game that um, you, you've never seen before, you can just talk to the, to the other people about it. And... Um, that way, you you know, you really could be the beginning of a uh, good relationship, a good friendship, you know. Exactly. And um, and and pinball is 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 like the binding force, if you like. Um, so um, it is nice. That's, that, that's the social part of it that I really like. I think yeah. that's a very Kiwi thing and a very Australia thing because I've been to some of the high uh, the higher level competitions in America. And people don't do that. People are quite, quite a little bit more sort of ruthless. Maybe they want to win, and it gets quite competitive. But then there's big, big prize money at stake with those competitions as well, because traditionally in New Zealand we don't really give cash prizes. No. no Although no. There, there are some cash prizes at this event, um, so Australia I think lean more, more towards the cash prize kind of situation. And we don't charge really entry fees generally as well in New Zealand, do we? No. Um, we usually, on the odd occasion, um, charge a fee which just covers um, costs. Like we usually give away food or um, you know some of the hosts' uh, costs. Um, so so that leads us quite nicely into talking about Pincade. 
which is something that you you are known for, uh, Yi, and uh, for our listeners, Pincade is an annual New Zealand pinball and arcade festival, and it runs over a weekend in March, and it has been running for 12 years now. So uh, It's completed 12 years, and um, we're ready to go for our 13th year next year. Number 13 next year, and it's very exciting, and every year it gets bigger and bigger, is that, is that correct? Well, it's, it's almost plateaued out the last, say, two or three years. Um, it started off really small. Um, what happened was that um, a friend of ours called Hamish Douglas, um, he, he came to live in Sydney for a few months, um, about nine months he, he lived in Sydney, and he got to know a lot of the Australians, and, and that's where this big... Um, friendship between the Aussies and the Kiwis first of all started off. Right. Um, um, AussieArcade.com was just a, a, a new uh, forum and um, Hamish got on it and he, he started to meet all these people who were into arcade games and and pitballs. And um, when he came back um, um, he started talking about it and before you knew it, um, about six months later um, one of the Aussies was having one of the first pinball meets um, that they that they ever hosted. So from that um, grew into Pincade because while we were over at um, John's um, birthday party, mm-hmm. um, I was actually interviewed with Hamish um, by a sort of like a journalist, right? Yeah, a very amateur journalist. Mm-hmm. And um, he asked us, and when will there be a, a pinball meet in in New Zealand? And we, right, go, well, right. we looked at each other and go, oh, okay, well... I've, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Let's, <laughs> sta- let's start this going. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we had no inkling that it would keep on growing um, and it would still be um, going 12 years later. Well, I came to that very first one and it was just your place and Willie's place because you lived quite close together. Is that, is that right? Um, y- yes, but there was also a Friday, uh, night, at a Friday night at Hamish's yes. um, who only invited the people that came from out of town. Right. Uh, okay, I went to that. Right, well, you're from out of town, aren't you? <laughs> of course. I'm yeah. thinking out of New Zealand, but yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of course. It was from um, out, of, out of Auckland. Yeah. And, and I, remember, uh, I remember he had played... He was, because Camish was big on, on restoring games. He was one of the first people to really restore a game to the point of swapping out playfields and so forth, wasn't he? And he had playfields on the wall that he'd taken out of games. And, and uh, now Hamish was a very, 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 um, very uh, diligent sort of restorer of, of pinball. So, um, so it's grown. I think I missed the second or third incarnation of Pincade. Uh, but I used to come up with Steve and would go, but I've been to all of them, you know, apart from that one. And and it has gotten bigger and bigger. And in the early days, you used to billet people. You would, you know, you'd organise drivers, hosts, and and it was fairly much like we said before, a free event, apart from their fares and their, their spending money. Um, people would come for free. And um, But it's gotten a bit unwieldy for that kind of... That's right. What happened was that um, at the beginning... Um, it was just Friday night, and for the out-of-towners, 
Then there was a Saturday afternoon, which would be at my place, and a Saturday night, which would right. be at Willie's place. Right. And, and if and Willie has one of the best collections in town. And we just happen to live less than half a kilometre away from each other, so it was perfect from right. from a travelling point of view. And um, but after a few years of that. Um, we started expanding because I can remember that very first time at Pincade 1 in my game through I counted 35 people on I thought myself my god this is a large crowd yeah yeah wow yeah little yeah. did I know how much bigger it was going to get and so what numbers come these days I've had um, 85 to 90 people at my place right um, but it's expanded out of my games room I've had um, now got games in my foyer and games in my double garage and um, we've got barbecues out in the courtyard and people out on my deck as well. Right. So it's, it's a wonderful experience and some people I've noticed come to your place and they don't go to any others because Pincade has become a bit of a road show where we go to maybe six or seven venues. And in recent years, we've been adding on Christchurch and Wellington for the extra day. So the Thursday kicks off in a satellite town. And then we come to Auckland um, for the main event, which is, um, which is the Pincade kind of, you know, the, 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 the cornerstone of Pincade, which is in Auckland. Um, what was my, going to be my point? So yes, some people come to your place and I only see them at your, at your spot. Knock, 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 knock. Yeah. Just quickly. We should have a, um, we've got a bit of a down, well, I don't know when you have to go. Are we just recording, Dave? Can we just come oh, to you sorry, in about mate. 20 minutes? Yeah, of course. All right, no problem. Hello, say hello. <laughs> that Mr. Dave Peck. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> um, so some people come to your place and um, and they don't come to any others. And that's that kind of like, some people go to Dave's place and they don't go to any others. And it's kind of neat how people can drop in and out as they, as they want to. That's correct. Um, for the last... Three to four years, we've had probably 160 people uh, attend at least one venue of Pincade because um, it started off small, as we said, but after about um, <coughs> six or seven years, there got to be a lot more people come along, and so we did things like um, name tags. And so I know for a fact that for the last three or four years, we've printed off um, about 160 name tags, mm -hmm. and um, that just helps people who have poor memories for names like myself. And uh, no, it's good because on on the on the on the tag you have often people are known by their handle that they use on Trade Me, and that was always quite quite endearing how you'd put down like for me you've got Simons, and then for you you've got Rocky and so forth because you know we we see these people come up on Trade Me all bidding on pinball auctions. It's nice to know who, the, the, who, who they are, who the, the people are behind the names, the avatars that they That's use. That's correct. And the Australians, um, we use the Aussie Arcade right. um, name, um, nom de plume, right. as well as um, their real name and the city that they came from, come from as well. So we all have a vague idea. And with the merchandising, because we've been getting a range of clothing as well, and each year is a different design, Hamish does the design generally? That's correct, yeah. Um, Hamish got out of pinball um, after a, um, a divorce. Right. Um, 
So he's been out of it for at least five or six years now, and uh, he associates pinball, unfortunately, with his divorce with his wife, and uh, so he, he'll never come back into it. However, um, he's agreed to continue doing the designs as a friend, as mm -hmm. a friend. So um, That's awesome. Hamish has his own graphics company, right? and he is very good at... Um, Producing the artwork required for um, the t-shirts, the, the the polos, the hoodies, and he also does the design on the name tags as well, and um, also now um, on the trophies as well. So wow. Hamish still helps out a bit, and but he's very very quick on on the computer, and um, I have to go to him with an idea of what I want, and from there. He'll hatch it and grow it from there. Well, I love how he uses arcade iconography. The the Moon the Moon Patrol Patrol one from last year was exceptionally good. Yes. And the people who know Moon Patrol as an arcade game um, recognise it instantly. But of course, you have to know you have to have a relationship with the arcade uh, culture. And uh, oh, that's Moon Patrol. And 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 I was wearing mine at work the other day, and this this dude this guy came Wayne came up to me and he goes, "Yeah, it's Moon Patrol." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're one of us." <laughs> it, yeah. it was it was neat. Now that that leads that, that leads us into to talk about a little bit about your collection, Yee, which has always impressed me, um, especially your video game collection, and and all those dedicated Williams cabinets. And being a child um, of the '80s, I, I remember going and looking at these 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 American imported uh, Williams games because I knew Williams made pinballs. Um, but they also had a great reputation for some of the video games. Um, Moon Patrol, Joust, um, of course, Defender. Defender and Stargate, Robotron. And I was thrilled when you got that Sinistar because I saw it pop up on Trade Me and I thought, gosh, if anyone's got to have the Sinistar, <laughs> it's got to be ye. And I was watching the auction as you were you were, you were were bidding and I was, you know, I had, I had my, I was cheering for you. <laughs> That's right. It was, I think I paid a bit too much for it, but... It was about six hundred and fifty dollars, and I had to freight it up from Nelson. Nelson, yeah, yeah. and uh, it was an empty cabinet, but it had the good glass and it had the marquee. Um, basically, I couldn't count on any of the boards or the monitor working. Um, but you bought, you had the boards, the the cockpit boards from from Talpo, didn't you? That you yeah. picked up. Yeah, we did a a barn find at Yopi's place, who was one of the operators in the early eighties. And um, he he wanted to get rid of his lot of lot of stuff, so we were um, going down there and coming back with trailer loads of stuff and filling his pockets with money. And um, uh, so he he, he disposed of, of the cockpit, the the cabinet that his his sinister. He must have presumably had the cockpit sinister, but he was patching his floor, wasn't he, with with arcade cabinets that he'd cut up, they'd carved up, and was. We only saw one. We only <laughs> saw one. Um, yes, it was an old um, shed and uh, with rotten floorboards, um, but we did see the remnants of a Stargate um, that he'd cut up to patch up the floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. And so, so the, maybe the cockpit, the car, the, the cabinet went west, but you got the board set. Now, how did you know it was a cockpit board set? Um, that, and then you used it for the for the upright version of Sinister. Right, okay, because the cockpit version, the sit-down version, it's got actually two amplifiers. 
two amplifier boards. There's the, the sound coming at you um, from the front and there's sound coming at you from the rear when right. you're sitting down. Okay. So it had two sound boards and that's how we knew it was a uh, cockpit one. Wow. Did it need much work to, to, to adapt to your, your upright version and to get it working, to get it going? Um, yeah, that, that l luckily, I th I from what I remember, the um, the harness was already there. The harness was there, but um, if anybody's working on these Williams boards, they know that these Williams boards were a notoriously... Um, susceptible to failure mm. um, so it did take us a while to get some good boards and, and some of them we had to send away to um, Australia to get them fixed and, and sometimes I've, I've bought spare parts from Arcade Solution in, in, in the United States Right, right. So you do mostly your own uh, PCB work? Your, your, your board work? No, no I'll I'll have a go, I'll have a go. Um, I've got a bench with um, a lot of test equipment, um, right. oscilloscopes and um, um, multimeters. I've got a desoldering station and a soldering station, of course. And um, um, but You'd like to keep the original boards, don't you? Because there's a bit of a trend with people getting the Chinese aftermarket boards and multi-gaming their cabinets. Um, but you you prefer to keep the arcades original. I do, and, and most of mine are original. Right. So that Coke. We're just recording, but help yourself to the Coke. It's by the chili bin. So yeah. the white chili bin. Yeah, yeah. There's there's about three bottles. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Okay. See you soon. Um, so yeah. So you're a bit of a purist when it comes to arcade machines. You like to keep them stock and original. Definitely, and the reason for that is because. Um, when the arcades in New Zealand were um, robbing me of all my 20 cent pieces, yeah. I'd step up to a game and put a put a 20 cent piece in and I would I would be playing that one game, whether it be Gallagher, Space Invaders, um, Defender, Gyrus, whatever. <coughs> I didn't have to search through a menu to select my game. Right. So I have only one game per cabinet. I, I'm a purist that way um, and I do try to keep the original boards because some of these uh, new market boards they have a bit of time lag in them and, and they they don't reproduce the game 100%. Well I, I liked how I played your Defender and you've got the leaf switches rather than micro switches and it gives the, the game an authentic feel. Yes. You don't get the click, 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 click that you get with a micro switch. It's just nice and smooth, um, and I, I and so all your button panel instruments are great as well, and and I and I appreciate it. And also, you're not you're not really going for all the LCD screens. You're liking to keep them CRTs. That's right. Um, of all the cabinets in my collection, I try to get the American version, if it, the American cabinet, if possible because they have the most character. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the cabinets made in New Zealand, they're just wood grain, um, and there's often no artwork on the sides. Right, they're three-quarter height too, aren't they? They're not the full height. 
that, that you get with the, um, the dedicated American ones. They did make some New Zealand cabinets <coughs> full size okay. as well. Like the, the, red, the big red ones, the big reds. and Yeah, sure. so they, they're a bit soulless. They don't have as much character as yeah. the yeah. Um, American cabinets. So you'd have probably a dozen arcade video games? About a dozen of those? Yes, I have about a dozen of those, and um, all of them have artwork on the side. The, the one that's probably the most rarest one is the Star Wars cockpit. Right. Um, that is um, a real feature in my games room. It's um, a sought-after game. I can scarcely get into it, and I realise it was made for 10-year-olds. 50-year-old <laughs> <laughs> men trying to get yeah. in, squeeze into a little a Star, a Star Wars cockpit video game. <laughs> my knees are up around my ears. That's right, yeah. It's <laughs> um, a colour vector game, and um, there was uh, a lot of problems with those earlier on, so a lot of them either got converted to race car cabinets or, or anything. Um, but they, they're sought after now, especially by the Star Wars community. Oh, for sure, yeah. And and also video game collectors as well. Um yeah, Star, we were just talking to Nick about his Star Wars um, fascinations. Um, but yes, now that the, the pinball, you, you've got a very, a very, a very desirable collection of pinball machines as well, and that's probably numbering about the same, maybe about tw- another dozen. That's right. Machines. That's right. Yep. And and I, I know, and every time I come to your place, I find there's a there's a new one there that's replaced one, and you you you, you kind of like to rotate the titles around. Um, from what I've noticed, and you do buy new games as well as um, second-hand machines. Um, you, I know uh, you like to refurbish them into a very high spec. Uh, you get Kerry to do a lot of the work for you in the past? He's done about four of them with playfield swaps on them. So uh, Kerry has gone and spent normally around 120 to 150 hours on each game trying to make it look as new as possible. Um, So I've had Funhouse done, Attack from Mars, Monster Bash and Tales of the Arabian Nights done. Wow, they're all all amazing titles. Your Funhouse looked amazing because it was like playing a brand new Funhouse and that was a game that came out in 19, early 91 I think. Um, now Kerry, just for our listeners, Kerry Hogan is a guy in Auckland who's been doing pinball restoration for a good 30 years. Would, would you say 30 years, 20 years? Quite a long time. Yeah, maybe about 25 years. Um, I can remember him talking about doing a night shift at a uh, knitwear factory. He used to be like a mechanic right. fixing machines there, but he hated it. And pinball was his passion. Um, so he loved to, to, to work on pinball, and that became his business. Um, the only thing that's um, slightly uh, disadvantaged with that is that when it becomes your business, you start to lose the passion for it. Yeah, Things yeah. become dollars and cents yeah. rather than um, the true love of pinball. And, and he's doing it for someone else too, and, and, and I think for me that, that kind of takes a bit of the sheen off I'm not doing it for my own machine I'm doing it for someone else's yeah. <laughs> so they're going to walk away with it but they, yeah that's what he's chosen to do and he like I think he likes the process I hope to talk to Kerry um, down the track because um, he's got some great stories I've, I've had chats with him before about things and he's quite entertaining um, 
So, yes, no, a lovely collection. You've been buying Jersey Jacks as well, haven't you? Um, Hobbit and, um, and Wizard of Oz. Um, dialed in, you did, you, did you consider getting a dialed in? No, um, dialed in was one I had played at a, um, at a pinball expo and I just could not get into it. It, it um, was a, wasn't a theme um, that interested me. Um, I got into the Wizard of Oz because that was their first one and I just read reports of how amazingly well built it was and um, I, I didn't mind the theme, a lot of people didn't like it but I didn't mind the theme and I, so I, um, I bought one and, uh, and I don't regret it, it was, um, they were right, all the reports were right, they were amazingly built, they used a lot of um, Williams licensed parts in them, Right. so the flipper mechanism assembly was licensed from, from Williams, yeah. And uh, you still have it? You still have your Wizard of Oz? You no, sold it, I, I ended up selling that to, to Mark yeah. from Wellington, and um, I believe he's moved it on now. Right. Um, but I had it for about three, four years, yeah. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I bought The Hobbit because one of my very favourite pinballs was Lord of the Rings, made by Stern. Right. And The Hobbit followed The right. Lord of the Rings, so I thought, well, if I like the theme of... I've never understood The Hobbit. There's about 47 modes, isn't there? It's one of the most complex games ever ever, <laughs> ever built, I think. That's right. It's um, so complicated. Um, I tried to read the rule set, but it was just um, so deep. And, and that's one of the reasons, actually, I've just gone and sold that recently, uh, about a month ago. Right, okay. And um, that's going to uh, the same owner uh, who has my Wizard of Oz. Okay, all right, mm. awesome. Oh, well, I'll probably talk to Mark um, also down the track. And But then recently you got a game that, that really struck a chord with you from your youth. So you don't just buy new ones, um, but you do like some of the old ones too because you got a Klondike uh, over from Australia. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, um, well, when I first of all got into pinball, I, I was... I can't remember. I might have been... 12, 10 to 12 years old, something like that, and um, I remember um, we used to live in Mount Eden, and we weren't a well-off family, so actually putting money into these machines was was an expense that um, we couldn't really afford, so I couldn't really ask my my parents for money, but, um, you know, we'd, we'd do what we could to get money to feed our addiction. Right. of pinball and uh, this is well before um, video games ever came along. Klondike was like 1974 wasn't it or 73? I think it might have been 1970, 71. Okay. Anyway um, I remember the first place I played pinball was the local takeaway and um, <coughs> they always used to have two pinballs like one of those um, early driving games, one of those midway speed aces. Right, with the with speed the car ace. with the car on a stalk. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a and a flipball machine on the wall. Right. And the flipball machine was two cents. We'd just recently gone into decimal currency, and the the pinballs were five cents. Wow. 
five cents for five balls. Yeah, yeah. And there were only electromechanicals available in those days. And Klondike stayed at the this place. It was called the Beat Bar. Right. And um, oh, they also used to have a um, a uh, Wurlitzer there as well, an old Wurlitzer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the jukebox used to play the music, and um, we'd go there regularly. And um, or whatever we had a bit of pocket money. Yeah. And uh, Klondike was there for a long time. I remember they used to rotate the games, but Klondike was there, and I remember um, liking it because there was this random. Uh, you get random awards due to the uh, to the reels. They were like reels on a, um, a slot machine. Slot machine, right, yes. Right. And, and if you had three things line up, or two good things and 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 um, an average thing, you'd you'd get uh, rewarded by it. And um, I remember that was such a good. Um, was it difficult theme. to find? Did you just stumble across it on Craigslist or something? Or, you know, on Gumtree that was in Australia, or did you? How did you find the Klondike in Australia? Or were you looking for it? I what? I'd passed on a few Klondikes earlier on, actually, when they used to come up on Trade Me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'd used to go, oh no, no, I'm into uh, the later model, the '90s dot matrix belly williams games and um so i'd passed on a few of these klondikes but um then one came up on aussie arcade and it was um for sale by john cusson and because i knew him mm. then i could rely on its um functionality yeah, yeah. and condition and um john and his daughter emily had gone and repainted the entire cabinet. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And they said it was a reliable game. And um, so I ended up boarding, buying it and um, importing it back to New Zealand. That's fantastic. I think your, did your totem come from Australia as well? Yes, it did. Yes, so it you've did. been buying a few games from, from Australia. Yeah. And that, that's, it kind of, that kind of indicates that it is quite easy to send games back and forth. And I know a lot of New Zealand games have made their way across the ditch um, to Australia. Um, so you're 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 fairly happy with the collection that you have, or are you always looking to prune it or refine it and sell this and buy that? And would you like to switch games out, or do you just like to keep the ones that you've got? Well, I like to um, limit the number of games that I have because of space. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people find it hard to to sell some games, and I do too. But if I find a game that I I like even more than what I've already got, then something that I don't play I'll put up for sale. And it's 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 not for for the money because it's purely for the space because I need the room. Sure. I don't believe in having too many games um, in storage or at other people's places. So. Yeah, yeah. If one comes in, one's got to go out. I have to mention, because I'm a Wellington guy, I have to mention the medieval madness that you picked up from the arcade in Courtney Place, because the time that you bought that medieval madness was a very, very sought-after machine, and and they were just there were there were there was just a few of them around that were in public spaces, and I think you got the last one in Wellington that was that was on site, 
and um, was that easy? Did you just walk in and say, "Oh, that medieval madness is coming home with me," or did you like it was a bit of negotiation? No, well, it was a funny old thing that um, because a couple of years <coughs> earlier, David Sell had bought a medieval madness off a local Auckland operator, and and he was discussing it and we said, oh, how much did you pay for it? And he said, five and a half thousand dollars. And we go, oh my God, it's not worth that. No, <laughs> no pinball machine is worth that. These are in the days when games are typically going for about three and a half thousand dollars. A yeah. good one would go for three and a half thousand dollars. And he was paying five and a half thousand for a medieval madness. So we thought he was mad. Right. And then a couple of years later, um, Hamish actually um, was telling me that he was in Wellington on holiday mm. and he went into the arcade and he saw this one for sale. No, not for sale, in this arcade. Just, just being sighted, just being yeah. operated, yeah. Yeah, being operated. And um, Had a rub mark under the flipper, right? Had rub marks under the flippers. The flippers had, yes, had gotten yes. out of alignment. Yeah, there were flipper drag, what we call mm. flipper drag. And um, anyway, he told me the name of the arcade, so I, I rang them up and um, I had to blow them away with an offer, otherwise I wouldn't have got it. And right. um, and I ended up paying seven and a half thousand right, dollars right. after I criticised somebody for paying five and a half thousand. Yeah. And um, I actually had to drive down there to, to Wellington which took about nine hours yeah, I can't, yeah. and and put it in the back of my station wagon and drove all the way back in, in one day. You did it in one hit? Yeah. Wow. yeah you know. could have stayed at my place. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I knew that, I mean I knew it was there but I already had a medieval madness at that time because I bought the one from Luna Park which was on Dixon Street. And that's a whole other story. Um, but I knew that the medieval was sitting at Courtney Place, and and in these days arcades were beginning to close, and they were, they were, you know, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't making much money anymore. So it was just kind of biding its time until someone like you came along and took it away. Yes. And and but they, I think that that by that stage the owners of the arcade knew that it was a valuable title, so they wouldn't have let it go for any living less than seven and a half, I guess. Um, pinball was beginning to peak. Uh, but only the certain titles, only the A-list games like Medieval and Attack from Mars and um, and uh, Monster Bash and so forth. Um, oh, that's great. Anything else you want to add? I mean, I think we've covered off quite a lot of topics um, with your you know association with pinball and arcade collecting. Yeah, well, uh, thanks very much for having me, Simon. It's been a pleasure to talk to yeah, you. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's been great to talk to you, Yee, and, and I'd like to extend a very warm thank you um, from everyone who's been to Pincade over the last 12 years because I know that the Aussies love coming over. They've been talking about it this weekend, um, about Pincade next year, and, um, you know, and the people that have been are encouraging those that haven't haven't been. Um, so, yeah, thanks for all the work that you do around that and you've kept you've maintained a really high level of commitment and um, and the experience is just fantastic and I, I try and encourage people as well um, back home if they've got an interest in pinball and arcade just to join in because um, you know we, we, wel we welcome everybody all the new people um, it may be intimidating when we're all so deep into the hobby for someone who's quite new but they can just come and have a good time and uh, so thanks for all the work you do with that 
Um, so we're, we're stepping up next year to host in Wellington and then um, and then Auckland again. So yeah, thanks for talking. Um, the, the day's just getting dark and I think things are winding down. We've got the bells and chimes just about to kick off. Um, and then uh, that's the women's comp. And then uh, we're going back home uh, tomorrow. So yeah, thanks for talking. You're welcome, Simon. Okay. Thanks for having me. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.